Hey, everybody. Welcome into Sports Talk with Cole. We got some special guests to talk some NBA playoffs with us today. All right, let's get it going. Hey, everybody. Welcome into Sports Talk with Cole. I'm joined by my NBA analyst, Mitch and Tanner, here today. We're going to be going over the playoffs and giving you guys a little bit of our thoughts. Um, First off, we're going to go over the Western side. And the number one seed Lakers are playing the number eight seed Trailblazers. What's your thoughts? Tan, I'll let you go first right here. You're the new guest. Um, I think Blazers maybe take a game. Um, they just – offensively, they got Damian Lillard, and I don't know the Lakers have anybody that's going to match up for them, especially not the whole game. You could play Danny Green some extended minutes. I read uh, – it looks like he might be on a minutes restriction the first game anyway, coming off of a, a strain. But, you know, Dane can win you a game – Defensively, the Blazers are terrible, especially in a matchup with the Lakers. They have nobody for Anthony Davis. The, their their best lineup has Carmelo Anthony at the four. I mean, hey, if if your hopes are on Carmelo Anthony to stop Anthony Davis, you're going to be in for a long series. Yeah, that, that's I'm in agreement with a lot of what you just said. I mean. There's no doubt, and we've seen it the entire bubble, how good the Blazers can be offensively. And we, Dane was rightfully the bubble MVP. But as good as he was in the bubble, he's going to have to turn into Superman to win this series. I know a lot of people are high on the Blazers and a little bit down on the Lakers right now, but let's be real. We saw the Lakers clinch the one seed early on in the seeding games. And I heard Shaq say this on TNT right after this saying, any team who clinches a one seed with several games remaining, you're going to take a few games off. And it looked like that for the Lakers. Obviously, they had a couple games that didn't look very good, but I still they're still the number one seed for a reason at the end of the day. And as high as you want to be on the Blazers, and believe me, Dane deserves all the respect he's been getting lately. But I just as good as they are offensively, I know that the Lakers are going to have trouble guarding them. But I couldn't. I don't see how in the world they're going to match up and guard the Lakers with LeBron and Anthony Davis. Like Tanner just said, if you got to match up Carmelo Anthony, play him at the three or four, and he's got to guard LeBron or Anthony Davis. Matchup hunting is going to start, and it's going to be ugly from the get go. So I do think the Blazers can take a game or two. Uh, two is being very friendly. Yeah, that could be being very friendly, but there's no way I could see them winning this series, winning four games out of seven. I'll say that. Well, I like what you guys said. I really do. And I have the Lakers winning this series. Uh, I think the Blazers will get probably one game. I'm going to say one game. And I I like Damian Lillard. I think he's the best point guard in the league in the playoffs. But at the same time, this is the worst defensive team in the bubble. I mean – they let Karis LeVert and the Brooklyn Nets with nobody on the team put up 130 and almost keep him out of this play-in game. So, um, I obviously think the Lakers are going to win. I mean, like you said, nobody can match up with Anthony Davis. No one can match up with LeBron James even. They just they don't have anybody that can play significant defense. I mean, their point guard's defense is – just it's a joke. C.J. McCollum's defense, great offensive player. And, yeah, Carmelo Anthony's not going to guard anybody in the post – um, and people, I don't know why people even think Nurkic is a good defender. He's not. He's awful. Um, they just have a lot of offensive firepower, and I think event, I think they'll get going and they'll win one game because they'll just be on one game. They'll all be on. But 
as much as I like Carmelo and I like his resurgence, I'm I'm not banking on him hitting these big shots in the playoffs. But even if he does, you still got to have a lot more go right with you to win this series. And I, I just don't see it happening. I understand the hype with the Trailblazers coming in hot. They've had a great bubble run. Um, Damian Lillard's put up some good games, but he can put 70, and they still ain't going to beat the Lakers because that, you know. What about Lakers? I mean, Dane could literally score 50 points. The Lakers are going to score 120-plus every game. Against yeah, this team. I, it's one of those. I think Dame. It's almost like he would, he will have to average fifty for an entire series for them to have a just to have a chance. And another thing left to be said is the one guy they went and made a move for Trevor Ariza this past offseason to guard a guy like LeBron or one of these great wing players. He's not with them in the bubble right now, and that's not me saying Trevor Ariza could stop LeBron, but. Just even slow him do down a little bit. It's better than Mario what Zona. they're going to have to throw out there. And, right, and the Blazers, just, they're not deep. And Damian Lillard, C.J. McCollum with a back injury have been playing 40-plus minutes every single game. I mean, you could, you could see it at the, after that Nets game. You saw it a little bit in the Grizzlies game. They're getting tired. And, he, and, and it's for obvious reasons. And to try and battle an entire series against who's – the best team in the Western Conference has been th- throughout the regular season, and the reason they are the one seed, I just don't see how they could pull it off without some superhero performance from Dame and others on that team. I, I don't, I don't, I don't see the super performance even saving them. Um, I, I really don't. Like I said, Anthony Davis. I mean, who can match up against him? Nurkic is not a good defender in the post. Zach Collins is a joke on defense, and you just said Carmelo. I don't. I don't even know if they try to let Carmelo guard him. If they do, they're not they're not being smart. I mean, I think people forget how good Anthony Davis is. Sometimes he's a top five player in the NBA. Um, I mean, it's, he he's not strong enough to move Nurkic around, but he'd pull him out. He'd take him out of the high post. You throw Whiteside in there, he'd get Whiteside in foul trouble in fifteen minutes. <laughs> so I mean, yeah, you're right. I forget Nurkic. While Nurkic is strong, I just his he, he just gets move. lost. He, he just gets lost. Yeah, he doesn't, he doesn't move. move particularly well against the pick and roll. I think I think he does make a big difference for them. He's noticeably better than Hassan Whiteside, um, yeah. but yeah, his weakness is. I mean, it comes with being six ten, two eighty five. You just don't move well against yeah. the pick and roll, and that's pretty much what the Lakers run on every possession. And these are all very gifted offensive players. I mean, Gary Trent's been the highest three point percentage in the bubble. Damian Lillard, no need, no, nothing more need to be said. CJ McCollum's special offense, and Nurkic is a great offensive player. He's mm-hmm. He gets a lot of rebounds, but yeah, like you said, pick and roll defense. That's that's the best point any of us have made, I think. Is pick and roll defense is not going to last. And what do LeBron James and Anthony Davis do the most when they play? Yeah. That pick and roll, and they're it's going to be a matchup nightmare. I don't know who's going to stop that. So I think we all are in agreement with the Lakers in this series. I'm going to add one point too. I know Davey's been on here talking bad about the Lakers. I'm not. Hey, Blazers got in. Props to him for what he had to say, and I'm, I've heard that if the Lakers get beat, that there's a bet, something about I have to come on here and say this, but I want to make a counter bet, and I think one that's could possibly happen more so than the other. What happens if the Lakers sweep the Blazers? What's the other side of this bet? We'll have to talk to Davey about that. Okay, just want to throw that out there before we move hey, on. Cole. Personally, if you think the the Blazers are about to beat the Lakers, and the words of Stephen A. Smith. Stay off the weed. Yeah, that's true. Because it ain't happening. It definitely ain't happening. 
Um, it's fun. It's fun. You know, I, I can understand people get in the moment. They see the privileges doing good. But um, when they come back to reality and watch a Lakers game, I, I don't know. I just Game one going to be a big dose of reality for a lot of these fans. And I think the Lakers are ready to just shut these people up that think about that. Um, now we're going to move on to the number two seed Clippers versus number seven seed Mavericks. And talk about another offensive team. The Mavericks, I think, were the number one team in the league this year before the bubble. Um, defensively, like the Trailblazers, they're atrocious, awful. Tanner signaling that they're awful. <laughs> Tan, you want to give us some thoughts on this? Yeah, speaking of uh, horrible defenses, if you were to form a shooting drill and lace traffic cones around the court, that's about what it looks like. At least that's how it looked watching them play defense in the bubble as Damian Lillard reined in like 60 points on them. Um, they have like two guys that are maybe average defenders. DeLon Wright can guard a less than average point guard and Dorian Finney-Smith's long. He can get, can contest a shooter. Yeah. But no one else on the team. I mean, the, plus you lose Dwight Powell. I mean, he's not like a great defender or anything, but at least he's, you know, a shot block. He's somebody to throw down there. Um, aside from that, I mean, they're just all offense. Um, and look, they have gifted offensive guys. Like Luka Luka's a great player, Right under the top five, I'd probably put him seven, eight in the league, uh, talent-wise. I don't know that his peak is is a whole lot higher than what it is right now. Um, a lot of people mention his age, like he's only 21, but at the same time, at 25, I think he'll be better, but I don't think it'll be some ridiculous notion that it'll be way better. Um, but it's a great young team, but they got to they gotta pull some defenders in there. They're not going to be anybody. The Clippers have had their number all season. Yeah, the big uh, my my biggest takeaway with the Clippers too is like the one thing that I guess you could say the Mavs have going for them is you get Montrez Harrell's first game back in the bubble is going to be game one. Okay, he's supposed to be clear as quarantine, be ready to go. So the Clippers do have some figuring out to do, but let's be real, talent wise, even with what the Clippers have had, and we already know they're going to be throwing Kawhi Leonard and Paul George and guys like this at Luka throughout the entire series. I just I just don't see a way the Mavs can really make this a competitive series. Once again, they have great offensive firepower. Could get them a game or two. but And I do see the Clippers experimenting a little bit, but I don't think the Clippers are worried about much going into this series. I mean, it's not just – it's also the worst matchup for them. I mean, they could probably compete with anybody scoring-wise – Against the, every game they played against the Lakers was a good game. But this team in particular, with the wing defense they have, uh, especially from Kawhi Leonard, uh, they just they can't run their offense at all. It looks, it looks, it looks awful watching them try to play the, the Clippers, um, just matchup-wise in general. Yeah, I agree with everything you guys said. I got the Clippers winning this series um, pretty easily. It might be another sweep. Um, I do think the Blazers would get one, but... Um, the Mavericks might get one. I think they might. I, I'm not sure. I'm still – it might be a sweep. Um, the Mavericks are all offense. Luka, I mean, he is 21, like you said. The only thing that might get better is his leadership. Again, I don't really see his just on-the-court performance getting better than it is. He's an offensive stud. I'd probably put him at seven or eight in the league, too. Offensively, he's in the top five, I think. But sure. just as far as, like, overall player, because he doesn't play any defense. And you, you – Seth Curry's defense – about the same as C.J. McCollum's defense. It's not there. Um, a very good shooter. 
Um, and then you go down to Kristaps Porzingis. Um, I, I don't know where this guy – I don't know about this guy. He's just – he's all over the place. He's a good player one night. He's lost the next night. He's got to be there consistently. Um, I am excited to see, you know, Luca and Kristaps in the playoffs for the first time. Hopefully this will be a learning experience for them and this young team like you guys mentioned. But I, I don't think they could have had a worse matchup. I think you hit it right on the head, um, the Clippers. <laughs> I, they're not. I don't know if they're as good of a defensive team as the Lakers, but they're right up there with their wing defenders. And um, yeah, good good luck, Luca, Seth, and Chris stops against against these guys. Um, the defense on the Clippers. I mean, I don't think you can name a bad defensive player on that team. I mean, Reggie Jackson's a good defender. Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, as you said, Montrez Harrell, Zubox have been a good defender. Um, yeah, Patrick Beverly, the best player, best defensive player on the team, probably. Um, Better than Kawhi. Ah. Maybe maybe um Better perimeter maybe perimeter, I don't know. Pat Patrick Beverly's just a dog. I think he he probably plays the hardest. Well, I I'd agree with that. Yeah, they're all good defenders. Though. That's the point. But yeah, so I got the Clippers winning this series probably four zero four one. Um, I just don't see the Mavericks having enough offense and definitely not enough defense. Because yeah, when you flip it around on the defensive side, um, how are they going to contain Paul George and Kawhi Leonard? If you I watch mean, them, they're still figuring out how they want to play defense. It's kind of weird to watch because, like, Kristaps, he's not strong enough to guard anybody one-on-one in the post, he, he, but he's super long. So, I mean, as a help side defender, he's one of the best in the league. You don't get many 7-3 guys that can, that can come from the other side as fast as him and block a shot. But when you got nobody down there in the first place that can stop the ball, it just doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah I – the Mavs are great offensively. A lot to look forward to in the future for this team, but they're about one or two moves. Get some get some better perimeter wing defense. Uh, get a solid rim protector to play with the likes of Luka and Kristaps going forward. But they're a few moves away, maybe a year or two away, I think, from being a serious contender in the West. Now, I think they definitely, if that, that happens, they could be that. But right now, it's just not there. Yeah. Um... So, yeah, that's Clippers and Mavericks. And um, now we're going to move on to the number three Denver Nuggets versus number six Utah Jazz. And in this series, Mike Conley has left the bubble for the birth of his son. So we don't know when he'll be back. We assume game two or three. Um, Exciting news for him and his family. But um, that does mean he'll miss this game. Um, You know, this is the three and the six, but I think it's the best matchup in the West. What are your thoughts, Tan? Um. It is a close matchup. I don't actually think losing Mike Conley is going to make as big a difference as isn't with Seth. Because Mike Conley's a big name, and we've seen him for a while, especially when he played with the Grizz, uh, the Grizzlies. Some of the performances he's put on, um, twenty fourteen especially, that taking those guys to the Western Conference Finals with Mark Gasol. But all year he he's really struggled to to figure out how he fits in with his team, and the Jazz they run an offense where. Either Donovan Mitchell dominates the ball, or they just throw it everywhere. They also, if I'm not mistaken, they're missing uh, Bogdanovich. Yeah, too. he's out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a big hit for them, also. So, I don't think that, that losing Conley is is as big as it sounds. It's still a big hit. They generate. If you go look at the um, some of the shots they generate, they generate threes, open threes, as well as anybody. Um, but without you know without Bogdanovich, without Conley. I don't know if they have enough firepower to beat this Nuggets team. The Nuggets team, they have a lot of guys that are just really underrated players. Paul, Paul Millsap. People forget how good Paul Millsap is. Will Barton is averaging 15 points a game, six rebounds a game. I mean, that's 
never hear about Will Barton. I mean, it's but he's probably the fourth, fifth best player on their team. And you add that with with you know with Joker, he's a top three center. Jamal Murray, don't hear about him a lot, but he he could probably average twenty a game, um, if he wanted to, if he, yeah. if he had the means. You know, that's another thing too is the Nugget. We know the Nuggets. They've been great all year long, but even so far in the bubble, the last well, the last few games at least, Gary Harris and Will Barton have been out with a few nagging injuries, and they're expected to be back at some point during this series. I don't know how much longer or what their timetables are at right now, but I'm, I'm assuming it's about one to two weeks right now for both of them. But even outside of that, I mean, guys, let's talk about Michael Porter Jr. for a second. I mean – Seeing him throughout the eight seeding games, this dude looks like a future NBA star. He looks great. Right now, especially given the circumstances playing down in the bubble where you don't have to go play on the road, you don't have to play in front of thousands of fans, he's going to get his first playoff experience as if he was playing in an AAU tournament that he was playing in a few years ago where he doesn't have those eyes on him that he normally would have, and he can just go out there and play. And I think that's contributed to guys like him and other guys in, in, in the same type of situation to playing better down in the bubble. And I, he's played great. Obviously, the, their entire roster, you alluded to Paul Millsap. We know how good Jokic is. I think Jamal Murray is getting into his, his full form after recovering from his injury. And I think – there's just a lot of weight on Donovan Mitchell's shoulders right now with what Utah has. And I know Mike Conley's not been great, but again, that's playoff experience that you're not going to have for at least one or two games to start in the series where I think you're already at a disadvantage. If you go into the benches, I mean, the Nuggets have a, one of the be- better benches in the bubble in the league, and the Jazz don't have a whole lot coming off the bench because of injuries and, and, and what they've been dealing with lately. Yeah, I think the Jazz, they have the ability to make this competitive, but I also would not be surprised if the Nuggets handled them a little bit more easily than some people even believe. But remains to be seen, but I do like the Nuggets over the Jazz. I mean, Nuggets are one of those teams that have guys that I mean, yeah, you really don't know how to match up with them. Porter's a good example, Bowl Bowl. Mm-hmm. I mean, who do you throw at Bowl Bowl <laughs> off, your, off your bench unit? Uh, we know how good Porter can be. We saw him, we watched him I mean, throughout high school. I mean, probably is the number one pick in the draft if he doesn't ever get injured, uh, as dominant as he was in AAU basketball. But, you know, the Nuggets depth-wise, it's odds are it'll be way too much for the Jazz to handle. Um, I, think the, I think the Jazz have the means to make this a six-game series. I can't see them extending out any further than that. Um, yeah, we got a little taste of this when the Nuggets played the Jazz uh, last Saturday and it went into two overtimes. Yeah. Um, Great game. If all these games in the series are like that, that's going to be awesome. Um, I was a little biased toward the most competitive series seeing that game. It got me excited for the series when I saw the matchups through the day. Um, but like you said, both these teams dealing with guys out, Will Barton and Gary Harris for the Nuggets, and Mike Conley out at least for a game or two um, for the Jazz and Bogdanovich. I'd kind of actually forgotten about that. That's a huge loss. on the. Pre- I mean, they talk about it every game. Um yeah, I got the Nuggets winning this, but I do have it. I have it going seven, and the only reason I think it's going to be more competitive than than it in, than you guys say is because I, I really believe that Donovan Mitchell is just that good of a player, and he's just going to be he's just going to be that guy in this series. And Rudy Gobert does not get enough credit for his rim protection. Um, I know how good Anthony Davis is at the rim. I know how good Kawhi Leonard is and Paul George, but he's a defensive player of the year. 
I mean, I don't watch that many jazz games, but the games I watch, I mean, I, people don't come in the rim without him, without feeling his presence. Um, I don't. I think if he didn't foul out the last game, that two overtime game, they would have won, um, because his presence is definitely felt. Um, the, the Bogdanovich injury hurts, and that might make it go six instead of seven, like I'm saying. But um, if they can hold on till Mike Conley gets back, um, Mike Conley, uh, like you said, he is trying to find his fit with this Jazz team. But the the point of like the playoff Mike Conley that might I don't know that that might be a better version of Mike Conley with this team, but what I was really thinking was his defense. His defense would be very valuable against this Nuggets roster. Um, I mean I know they're probably gonna put Donovan on um, Jamal Murray, but to have Mike Conley guard him and hound him the whole series would be a huge plus for the Jazz because I mean Jamal Murray just coming back you know a week ago he's looked good in his return. And I think a lot of people forget how good Jamal Murray can be when he gets going. Um, Jokic, I mean, he's right up there with the best centers in the league with um, Embiid and the rest of them. So um, he's going to do his thing. Um, for the for the Nuggets to go and get this thing wrapped up quicker, I'm just going to have to see um, Jokic be a little bit more aggressive. Um, when they turned it on in that game in the second half versus the Jazz last Saturday, that's when they really started to win. They told him, hey, be aggressive. Go at Rudy Gobert. He's a great defender, but you're a great player too. You're one of the best offensive centers this league has ever seen. I mean, so, again, I got the Nuggets winning it in six or seven, um, depending on when Mike Conley comes back. And like you said, the, Bog- <laughs> the Bogdanovich injury makes me rethink seven, probably six now. But um, I got it being a great series, hopefully as good as the game last Saturday. But I do have the Nuggets coming on top. I agree with you. Nuggets and six for me. I'm right there. Nuggets and six. All right. We're all in agreement. That's not fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just uh, wait. Just wait till we get to the Rockets Thunder. Okay, here, so. we're here. <laughs> and that leads us right into the number four and five seed, Rockets and Thunder. Um, Westbrook will be out with a quad injury for the first game, maybe more possibly. Um, gives me grave concern as a Rockets fan. Um, but this series is very interesting. It probably is going to be close like the last one due to the Rockets' lack of defense and the Thunder's just overall grit as a team. What are your thoughts, Dan? Um, even with Westbrook, I think I would have picked the Thunder at seven for this one. And I say that – I don't want to say with bias. But I really like the storyline behind this team, the you know Westbrook coming from OKC, Chris Paul getting pushed out of, of, of Houston – and really being almost forced to come to this team. A lot of people thought that he would get bought out and sent somewhere else, uh, you know, to a Lakers or some other contender. But, you know, he really just stuck it out, stayed with his team. It's a good young group, and, and people didn't realize just how much talent they brought with him. Guys like, like Gildas Alexander, just how good of a player he is. Uh, Gallinari, people forget how good of a player he can be. Um, I like the depth of this team, and I like that the things that – that Houston is great at as far as their defense. There's not many things, but they're great at forcing turnovers, awful on, on, the, on, on the boards, but Oklahoma City doesn't really turn the ball over. When you have Chris Paul at the helm, that's just what happens. You don't turn the ball over a whole lot. And when, you don't turn, when, when Houston's not turning people over, they're not going to out-rebound you. So they're going to have a problem getting stops against this team. Um, then you add that Oklahoma City's a top two um, three-point defense in the league. Um, they all did, as far as shooting percentage is concerned, that's pretty much what Houston does. They either let Harden draw a foul or, or get to the rim or, or Westbrook, or they shoot a three. That's, that's it. That's what they do. That's their whole offense. I'm not really high on a team 
that I don't want to say can't beat the defense, but the defense is always in front of you with that form, uh, with that style of basketball. So you you generate an okay look, a, a look that, that James Harden and Russell Westbrook can make. It's still a tough shot, but you don't actually completely um, beat a defense that way. I I, I just I, I like this Oklahoma City team. I think they're way better than people think. Um, I think that they're gonna I think they're gonna take this in seven games. Yeah, I think the Russ injury is going to be a big factor. And, and like you said, Cole, we know he's going to be out game one. But after hearing Mike D'Antoni a few days ago, it sounds like it could be more like two or three and hopefully not four, but it could be. I mean, it, quad injuries are nothing to mess around with. That's what he's dealing with right now. Uh, Russ does have a good track record of once he does come back from injury of being effective and not having to play his way back into a game shape. But if he does miss two or three games, I, I, I do think this could swing the series. I mean, I, it's already, like Tan alluded to, he thought it was going to be a, a competitive series already, even uh, if Russ is available. And I'm in agreement with that. But I think with him missing, especially if he misses multiple games, I have the Thunder winning in seven as well. And I know I'm, I'm another one who thinks I love the storyline for both teams behind this game. I think it has the potential to be the most entertaining series that we get to watch in the first round. Uh, obviously, we know how unbelievable James Harden has been offensively and has been the same way in the bubble. And we know how good this Oklahoma City team can be when they're playing together. And I thought it's a unique stat that I saw when I was looking through things earlier. But Oklahoma City's five men, uh, their five guys they like to close the games with, is, has been the best offensive unit in basketball. Now, we all know in the regular season teams play a lot more guys go a lot deeper, but come playoff time, like to shorten that rotation, you're going to see that five-man unit out on the floor a lot more. So I think OKC is going to be even better offensively than they were in the regular season. And on the flip side of that, we know they're great offensively, but they're probably as well-equipped as any team to defend what Houston likes to do with their small ball and create the mismatches. And I think that's going to be a problem for Houston. Obviously, I would not be surprised if Houston wins this series, but I do believe that Oklahoma City is going to get them in seven. Hey, and no one's talking about Andre Roberson. Um, he looked good in the bubble. Now, we don't know exactly how great a defender he's still going to be. But two years ago, this guy was arguably a top three wing defender in the entire league. So, you know, you pull your bench unit in, Harden's going to play pretty much the whole game. If you got a guy you can just throw on James Harden for that entire stretch that can in some way slow him down a little bit, that pays dividends. You know, James Harden's the type of guy who can fill up, you know, 15 points in just a few minutes if you let him, you know, let him get going. So adding just, – just having him back alone, assuming he's not a complete offensive liability, um, he shot the ball decently. I mean, respectably enough in the bubble that I think it could be a, a big difference just having him back. Yeah. All right. Um, Here's the disagreement. Yeah. Well, and this is the disagreement. Um, I'm a big fan of Russell Westbrook. Um, I was a fan of him when he was in Oklahoma City. Um, I think he's brought this Rockets team to the place they wanted it to be. Um, and I, I would say Rockets in five if this if he was healthy, but I, we don't know when he's coming back. So um, I'm just going to guess he's going to come back in game three, God willing. Um, 
because that's like a week away. Um, but if he does come back in game three, I think the Rockets win in six. I don't, I don't think it'll be five because all these points you made about the Thunder are very valid. They're very, very good at closing games with that lineup. And I know that they really do defend the perimeter well because Chris Paul is still a great defender, one of the best. And Sean Gild, I mean, Alec, Shea Gildas Alexander, that dude, I mean. That's Alan, a star. One what, day he, he's going to be a star in the league. He's coming up. Yeah, he's coming up. He's going to be a good player. But, I mean, and Steven Adams is a good rim defender. Um, Gallinari is a good defensive player. So, and I think that this Rockets team, I, I, I just I just think they're I just think they're ready, man. I really do. I mean, I hear your points about Oklahoma City, but the Robert Covington addition, I, I think, really swung me. And when I saw them play together, I thought, okay, this team is a team that could possibly win a championship if they're all healthy in there. Um, when you see the Rockets play with Russell Westbrook and James Harden in the game, Russell Westbrook can open up that defense and get you know let all his shooters. You know, just spread spread the court around a lot. Um, P.J. Tucker's going to have to hit shots, though. He's struggling in the bubble shooting. Jeff Green has actually shot very well for this team. It's been kind of surprising. Um, ben McLemore, another guy who's comes off the bench and basically just a shooter. He's done pretty pretty good at shooting, too. Um, never know what you're going to get out of Austin Rivers. Austin Rivers can cook. He had 40, I think, the other night. Um, great, great player off the bench for you. A guy, any, a guy every team would want is their point guard off the bench. Um yeah, those are the three big bench guys. Um, down low, uh, yeah, just P.J. Tucker and Robert Covington are going to have to play good. Um, they're going to have to try to box out Steven Adams and get rebounds. Um, I think Eric Gordon coming back is bigger than a lot of people think. Eric Gordon's a guy off the bench, too, that can really put up points. I just think I just think even without Russell Westbrook in these first few games and when he does come back healthy, offensively they're just going to be too much. I hear what you're saying about the, about the Thunder being great defenders, but – I haven't seen a person in the league guard James Harden with with success. I mean, that dude just – he's an incredible player. He's an incredible shot maker. Um, he needs Russell there, though. He needs his number two to finish this series. So, um, if Russ can come back at game three, I think it's I think it's Rockets in six. But I do think the Thunder will get games. They'll get two um, just because, yeah, Chris Paul's grit will just grind out one game. <laughs> and um, – yeah, I like this Thunder roster. I and mean, Billy Donovan was my coach of the year, co-coach of the year. So um, I really like this Thunder team, but I think the Rockets' offensive arsenal is just too much for them. And I'm ready to see playoff James Harden in the bubble with no real fans there. Well, I, I got to say, playoff James Harden has a tendency to disappoint. And um, especially against good defensive teams, you have to realize playoff basketball, they let a little bit more go, just a little bit. And, and – when 15 of your shots every game are step back threes, you know, just three of those, three of those miss, that's nine points. That can swing a game. That alone can swing a game. And, you know, Westbrook and James Harden are really the only guys on the team you have to have somebody that can guard them. Which, I mean, you can't, there's not, a, there's not anybody in the league that can guard them. But who, what other offensive creator do they have? They, you're going to rely on Ben McLemore, a guy who couldn't even make the Kings roster. Or really even get minutes for them. I mean, Jeff Green has had trouble getting minutes on that Cavaliers team that was maybe the worst East or Eastern Conference Finals team ever, aside from the other Cavs team LeBron had. Um, I just I don't like their depth. I don't want to rely on Ben McLemore, Jeff Green, and guys like that to win me. Or not to win me games, but to to be the guys that have to hit shots for me. And I just think that 
Oklahoma City, they have they have so much. I mean, Chris say Chris Paul has a bad game. All right, well, you still got, you know, Gilders Alexander, you got Dennis Schroeder, you got Gallinari. You have other guys that are going to make up for his production. Um, if Westbrook goes out there and has a patented 5 of 20 game, you just lost the game. Well, yeah, that, that's on the, one of your points you made about Houston that I wanted to, to talk about is you, if you do have to rely on those other guys, and let's be real about James Harden and Russell Westbrook, as great as they are, they don't like to rely on the other guys. So if they get to a situation where you have that really good five man or those five guys for the Thunder out there closing the game who've proven they're as good as anybody at closing games, and you have Russell Westbrook and James Harden who both have a tendency to shoot you into games, but let's be real, when it comes playoff time, they can shoot you out of as many as they shoot you in. And it's, it's we've seen it in the past, especially I think if Harden has to play without Russ for two or three games, they get into a tight one down the stretch. I definitely could see him forcing, even when he's got maybe double teams run, run, running at him, uh, when the Thunder's putting that pressure on him. I don't know. There's, there's a lot of questions. There's, there's more questions for me about Houston, especially with the Russ injury and how they're going to handle it, than OKC. And I think that's why I'm leaning with OKC right now. I, I just – I know you addressed Jeff Green and um... – Ben McMahon off the bench. And those guys, I mean, like you said, they have questionable pass. But they have been pretty good in the bubble. Um, they both have. I'm, I get nervous about them, honestly, when they both shoot the ball because I, I am nervous, like you said, because they're just not they're just not the best you know players you want coming off the bench. But they play good as of late. And the key players off the bench are guys like Eric Gordon and Austin Rivers. I mean, those are the other two that can score really well and that can hit big shots. And I, I don't know. I just I believe in this Rockets team, this playoff run. I think being in the bubble will be less pressure for James Harden. Um, like you said, you know they're going to rely on him heavily down the stretch, especially without Russ. But the good thing about Russ is that he does defer to James a lot, and he does like to get others involved with his passing too. James likes to get others involved at the beginning of the game, but as the game goes on, James Harden kind of just takes more shots himself. But um, Russell Westbrook's unselfishness on this team, I think has really let this offense flourish. His, his ability to get to the rim without a center, and if his guys are – if they're making shots, like you said, they can they can wrap up this series quick. Um, I think there'll be a game where James Harden doesn't shoot well, probably two, um, and those are going to be the games they lose. And th- that could be the thing that plagues this team, you know, in their entire playoff run is those nights when James Harden just doesn't hit. Um, but – um, recently this season, there was nights when James Harden didn't hit and Russell Westbrook just picked up the slack and was able to carry the scoring load along with a little bit of help with the from the others. Um, I don't know. I, I like this Rockets team a lot. Um, I, it's it mainly because it's something we've never seen, this no-center offense with this with these two great superstar guards. Um, I hear you with this Thunder team. That three-headed monster they got is insane. Um, Dennis Schroeder. I mean, people don't even talk about him a lot. He's sixth man of the year. He's been awesome off the bench for this Thunder team. He could start for half the teams in the league off, you know, just as a point guard because of his greatness. Um, I don't know, though. I, I just I think Shea Gilgis-Alexander, um, Dennis Schroeder, those guys are good, but they're not James Harden and Russell Westbrook. And I, I have a feeling that things are going to get kind of spicy with Chris Paul and James Harden in this series. I hope so. I really hope so, too. I think, it's go- I think this is going to be the most entertaining series. I just think Jazz Nuggets will be closer. Hey, I kind of hope Mike D'Antoni gets to get some, too. I want to see him get scrappy. Yeah, I mean, I I don't think Chris Paul took his trading very well, as no one should. 
But the thing about it is, I, him and Russell were very good friends, I believe. So um, I don't think I don't think there's any hate toward Russ. I think there was a lot of um, animosity toward James Harden um, for this trade. But you know, I, the the reason why I like this trade, I want to make this quick too, is just because. James Harden and Russell Westbrook are best friends, I think. I think they are best friends in real life, too, not just on the court. Um, so I think that friendship they have, and you can see it on the court as the season's gone on, and that's why I think it's worked, because they both defer to each other, even though James is clearly the better player. He defers to Russell a lot of times when he sees Russell having a good game. Um, and he's not – Russell's not going to dad him like Chris Paul would. I think Chris Paul would get in his face and let him know what was up, and I don't think James Harden responded well to that. Um, for his own reasons, I mean, but to be fair, guy shooting one of eleven, I'd probably say something. Yeah, I mean, Chris Paul's not afraid to say something. If he's shooting one out of three, he's gonna look at him and go, "Hey, pass me the ball." I'm Chris Paul, um, but like you said, Chris Paul is—he's 35 years old, which I mean, that means what it means. So, um, I don't know, Chris Paul's Chris Paul's history of injuries. You know, I don't know, I don't know. This series, this series is gonna be very exciting. I'd like it to be injury free. I'd like for us to be there. But with Russ out, I'm going Rockets in six. That's that's all I'm going to say on it. Um, I, I can't say anymore. I just believe in these guys, really. Thunder and seven. Okay. Thunder and seven. All right. Well, from right here, we're going to move straight on to the Eastern Conference. And the number one seed, Bucks versus number eight seed, Magic. Mitch, you want to start us off here? Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's a whole lot to be said about this one. Obviously, we know Milwaukee had the one seed wrapped up pretty early on. Uh for the East, and I know they've they've had their bumps in the road road during this bubble, just like the Lakers did. But there's a reason they're the one seed. I know that it was ugly the other night when Giannis headbutted uh, Wagner from uh, Washington and got suspended for the meaningless game, last seeding game in the bubble. But they're playing the Magic, who. Honestly, I think if they were in the Western Conference, I don't know if they could have competed for, for a playoff spot. Uh, they just don't have the firepower to contain Milwaukee, specifically Giannis. Uh, I look up and down this Magic's team, and I just don't know who they're going to throw at him. And I just think Giannis is going to be too much. I think Giannis is motivated, and he's he's ready to go out here and prove a point, especially after getting thrown out like he did uh, a few days ago against Washington. But uh, – I have the Bucks, and I'm gonna be generous to, to, to Orlando and say Bucks and five, but let's be real; it, it could easily be a sweep. I think Giannis is just too much. I think Mitch is being as subtle as he can. This is gonna be an absolute bloodbath of a series. Um, the Magic. This is a 33 win team, so they're not even. Are they even the tenth spot in the West? I don't think they are. Uh, um, no. This is and the thing is they have two guys on their roster that maybe have the length to even halfway guard Giannis and they're both hurt Jonathan Isaac and Alfred Camille they don't even have them so you guess you're going to throw Aaron Gordon at him I mean Giannis is probably going to average thirty five and fifteen on this team um, and look down who's their second best who's the who, Magic's best player is probably Vucevic maybe yeah. not not a great interior defender but good offensive guy second best player what Evan Fournier. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean the Bucks have four guys as good as him, maybe or better. I mean you got Brooke Lopez, Eric Bledsoe, Chris Middleton. I mean this is this isn't even this is an absolute massacre <laughs> of a series, and I have no problem saying it. This is a this is a sweep. Yeah, this isn't um, even a nice sweep. This is an ugly sweep. No, I <laughs> I, I agree with that. Um, this I, is a watch the first half. And, well, <laughs> this is over. 
I think the Bucks are going to sweep. Um, thank you for that very violent point. But, yeah, I think the Bucks are going to sweep the Magic. Um, I think with Jonathan Isaac there and, um, yeah, I think with Jonathan Isaac there, they might have got a game. I think Jonathan Isaac is a – He's a not a star. He's a star in the making. Not I don't know if a superstar. He's a star in the making. Defensively, for sure. Defensively, he's very very good, and if he can just you know round out his offensive game, he's very raw and he's very young still. So I think he is a star in the making for this Magic team. And this Magic team's kind of a lot like the Mavericks to me. They got a lot of pieces. They need to build themselves up. They're not quite to the level of the Mavericks with Luca and Porzingis though. But um, they're a young team, and um, they're just they're just not going to be enough. Um, there's a lot of teams that don't have anybody to match up with Giannis, but this team especially, um, they just don't have anybody. They're just going to have to throw bodies at him, double-team him maybe, and that's just not going to be enough because they've done a great job, Milwaukee has, surrounding him with shooters all around the perimeter. Um, everybody on this team is a shooter besides him. Even Robin Lopez takes some threes. Um, this is this is just going to be too much. I think the Bucks might have double their wins, actually. I mean, this, this is just an outstanding Bucks team. Um, they're they're gonna win this game in four series. I mean, four games. So, um, I mean, I might watch a game or two, but I have a feeling, like Tanner said, after the first half, they might be up by twenty. So, you know, hey, at least the bus ride home's not that far from Orlando. Oh, well, that was cold. Being honest. Um, but yeah, not much left to say on that one. I think we all got the Bucks in four, maybe five for Mitch. Um, but let's four. move on to the. Um, Number two seed Toronto Raptors and the number seven seed Brooklyn Nets. Now the Brooklyn Nets are without Kevin Durant, they're without DeAndre Jordan, they're without Kyrie Irving, um, Spencer Dinwiddie is not there. Essentially, all of their good players like Chris LeVert. Um and then the Raptors, the, the champ, defending champions, um, playing well. What are your thoughts? Um, I really like this Raptors team. I really, really, I really, really do. And- you know, they do get a really easy matchup in the Nets, so I don't think the first round necessarily will, will showcase just how good they can be. I want to see them play somebody a little bit better. But defensively, this team is as good as anybody. Um, they, have, they have guys that can match up with any team in the league. Um, you know, the Nets, Karis LeVert's their guy right now. I actually feel kind of bad for him because when everybody gets back healthy, I think he's a little bit too good to be subjected to being the fourth wheel. Um, but with him leading the show... Uh, the net, uh, the the Nets really shouldn't compete too well with this team. I mean, guys like Kyle Lowry, he's been there before. I mean, this is this is the championship team from last year, and even without even without Kawhi Leonard to come out, you're the maybe the best defense in the league. Uh, it's it's a tough matchup for the Nets. They pulled they pulled kind of a short straw here. Yeah, I'm, and I know y'all were real. You say it's going to be violent for the Magic and the Bucks. I think the Nets are going to get the violent end of the stick against the Raptors. I think it's going to be an easy sweep. Now, I will say this about the Nets is I know they're down a lot of guys right now. They do play really hard, and may, that might make it a little bit more competitive just because they're not going to lay down against this Raptors team. But, guys, I'm going to tell you, there's one team outside of uh, – Outside of the two picks I made, I know last time I was on the show with the Lakers and the Celtics getting to the finals, the Raptors are the one team making me rethink things. I think they've looked really good in the bubble. You can tell that they just mesh together. Y'all, y'all have talked about their defense. They might be the best defensive team uh, in the league. They can match up with about anybody. 
Offensively, they're good. Guys, they're, they're really scary right now. And I, they, they look great in their eight seeding games. Uh, I think there's not going to be any competition with the Nets. I will be interested to see them uh, advance and see who they get in the second round, and, and that will test them a little more. But, guys, they're, they're healthy. They have, they have guys back they didn't have back before the, the season stopped months ago. I really like them, and I, I don't think that this series is going to be competitive at all. Raptors have looked as good as anybody. That's why they're going to sweep the Nets. I, Raptors, I think, are, are as good as any team in the league, maybe the best at, at riding the hot hand. This is a team that I don't think they have a single guy that's really worried about what kind of game he has, worried about what kind of stats he puts up. You know, They share the ball, and, and they, they play together. Maybe better than any, maybe better than any team in the league. Um, you got guys off the bench capable of putting up thirty just because if they're hot, the whole team will roll with them. They'll play them the whole game. Um, that's scary. That's scary for even a team like Milwaukee. I mean, uh, when you got guys, when you got when you got teams that are willing to 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 ride on anybody's shoulders and don't really have a weakness, they can beat just about anybody. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, I agree with all the points really you guys made. Um, it's really easy to predict this series, I think, because the Raptors are, as you guys said, just they're just one of the scariest teams in the league. Um, they're coached extremely well by Nick Nurse, who I don't think got enough credit last year for his job. Um, definitely co-coach of the year with Billy Donovan for me. Um, Brooklyn Nets, yeah, um, you kind of feel sorry for this team because, yeah, I mean, they just, they just don't have everybody there. Um, I just think about next year for this Nets team, how good they're going to be and how good they're going to look depending on the coach you know, that they get there. Um, so that's going to be interesting. But I I think they'll get one game. I do. I think Karis LeVert will – and I forget about Jared Allen out there. I think both of them will have a big game, and they'll, they'll steal one when the Raptors aren't on. Um, I'm most interested to see – I know it's different because it's in a bubble, but playoff Kyle Lowry for the first time without Kawhi Leonard. Um, last year with Kawhi Leonard, I think Kawhi Leonard really elevated and everybody on the team – um, especially Kyle Lowry, and we know he's a good player in the regular season, but before last year he struggled a lot in the playoffs with his shot and scoring. Um, but it's a completely different coach now with Nick Nurse. Pascal Siakam's a star, so I'm not too worried about that. Um, I think as well as this team plays together, I think they will go 4-1. Um, I'm, I'm excited to see this series because I'm excited to see just the Raptors and see them play in a playoff game and see Kyle Lowry how he plays. Um, and, yeah, their next matchup, I believe, would be the, the Celtics or the Sixers winner. So that that would be very interesting. Um, uh, I'm just I'm just looking forward to seeing this Raptors team play in the playoffs for the first time without Kawhi Leonard and how that goes. They've been good all season without him. Um, I don't expect anything different here. Um, really just looking for Kyle Lowry and how he performs in the playoffs without Kawhi Leonard this year. Come on, Lee. Gotcha. Yep. Raptors in four. Yep. Um. Now we're going to go to the number three Boston Celtics versus the number six Philadelphia 76ers. Obviously, Ben Simmons is out with the Philadelphia 76ers. Um, Joel Embiid looks like he will be there for this playoff series. Oh, my gosh. I don't even know where to start with this Sixers team. You want to get us rolling, Mitch? Yeah, I mean, it, it, I, I wish we had a fully healthy 76ers team because – they have the capability to be dangerous and play with anybody, but also have the capability to lose it to anybody. I think uh, Ben Simmons, 
I don't think it will hurt them as bad offensively as a lot of people might think, but where they're going to really miss him, especially in a matchup with Boston, who have a bunch of great wing players, is his wing, his perimeter defense. He's one of the best perimeter defenders in the league, and Boston just has so many guys that can go get their go get their shot and go score it from Tatum to Kimba Walker to Gordon Hayward to Jalen Brown. I mean, it, just a great offensive team, and. On the flip side, Philadelphia just outside of Joel Embiid, I don't. Tobias Harris is great. Horford's good, but the Horford fit with Embiid has not been the smoothest. I think Joel Embiid is good enough if he's healthy and if that ankle foot or whatever he did a few day, a few games ago, if that's healthy, he's good enough to go get a game or two. I think simply because don't know if the Celtics have a guy one on one that can match up with him. But I don't think he can shoulder the weight and beat them for an entire series. I think the Celtics are going to get them in six. Uh, I'm right there with you. I just it's it's an interesting matchup for me. I'm I'm torn because I the matchup against Embiid, depending on the Embiid we get, they really don't have a single guy that I think can contain him. And that being said, I mean there's also times you see Embiid run around the perimeter and. I don't know why, but if he would just go park it on the block, you feel like the guy could average 30 and 15. There's not any other centers in the league um, with his capabilities. But, I mean, I mean, Boston starts a guy that's 6'8 at center, and their backup is, is Ennis Cantor, who defensively is basically a traffic cone. Um, that being said, I mean, no Ben Simmons. I don't know who their backup point guard even is. Shake uh, Milton. Milton, uh, I know they could probably play Josh Richardson there if they really needed to. He's a skilled player. He's not skilled enough to really distribute well enough to play point guard. But, you know, the team is just – I don't know what their front office was trying to build. I don't, I don't like the Horford fit. Horford, Horford's a guy who he does all the little things, but he needs to touch the ball. And in this team, he just doesn't. And defensively, he shouldn't be playing the power forward spot in this league. They're going to end up throwing him on, like, what, Jason Tatum or Gordon Hayward? He can't guard. He can't guard one of those guys. Uh, but if you look, I mean, he's second on this team in assists. You know, he needs to he, – he's a player that needs to touch the ball. He can make your offense better. But when your offense is a 6'10 point guard that cannot shoot at all and then a center, he just, he just doesn't mesh well with them. Now, Tobias Harris could end up having maybe his best stretch of basketball all season. He should touch the ball a lot. Um, but just with the amount of weapons Boston has and their starting line. Now, that being said, they're not as deep as they've been in the past. Um, past their starting lineup, they really don't have very many guys. Um, you know, in years past, you know, they had uh, Terry Rozier. They had guys like that they could bring off the bench. They don't really have that anymore. But even then, I just think the star power is too – they're too top-heavy, too much star power for the 76ers team to, to really compete with them for too long. This 76ers team makes me so angry. It frustrates me so much. Um, this series, I, I don't even know where to start with this team. Um, you let Jimmy Butler go and kept Tobias Harris. That was a mistake. Tobias Harris is not a $30 million a year guy. Not for this team. Um, you brought in Al Horford. I don't know why in the hell you do that. He's useless on this team with Joel Embiid. They already have enough problems with him. Um, he does not fit well with this team. And then you don't know any of the other guys on the roster. You have Embiid, Simmons, Horford, Tobias Harris. That's already like $120 million in cap space right there. Then you have Josh Richardson. This team is very far in the luxury tax. And they have four or five guys that are getting paid. And I, 
it, it frustrates me so much because they don't have any room to build around these guys, and two of them are injury prone. Um, and like you said, that the most frustrating thing about when you watch them play is they just they're, they're so discombobulated. Um, Joel Embiid needs to sit at that block. He needs to sit at that block and make people come to him and guard him because he's unstoppable on the block if he just sits down there. When he's at the three-point line, he's doing them a favor. They should be clapping, saying, thank you. Thank you for not coming down here and making our life hard. We'll let you shoot from the three, whatever percentage you are, 29%. Yeah. yeah, like, I mean, my God, please, please do that. Please don't bring your giant ass down here and work us in the post. That would be a favor. Yeah, and now with Ben Simmons hurt, I, this team doesn't have a chance. This is going to be wrapped up in four, maybe five games. I really think Boston is going to overpower them with their offense and their – I mean, the Boston – I think Boston might come out of the East, but and it, the, the Sixers team is just awful. They need to get somebody in there to completely revamp this team. Um, ship Ben Simmons or Joel and beat out one or the other. They can't play together. Um, I know some people like to argue they can. They can't, and one of them is going to be injured at a time. Um Trade Al Horford away. Get him out of here. Because like you said, he's a good passer. He's a good player. Let him be on a good team where he can actually play and get the minutes he deserves. Because he deserves to get minutes somewhere, but not here because it doesn't fit here. And he can't play with Joel Embiid. Um, they made a huge mistake, like I said, they're letting Jimmy Butler go in favor of Tobias Harris. Um, I personally think they should have kept Jimmy Butler and not signed Al Horford and signed a few other key role guys for this team. That would have made more sense. But you put $30 million in Al Horford. I don't understand. Um, oh, it just it just makes me so mad talking about this team because none of their decisions make any sense to me. It really doesn't. It doesn't even look like they're load managing Joel Embiid throughout the season, which they should have been doing. That that's a different story, though. Um, yeah, this Sixers team needs a complete rehaul. Needs a lot of new guys on this roster because what they got now, what they've been going with, is not going to get them out of the first round. I think if if Simmons and Embiid were healthy, they'd still lose the series to Boston. Boston's just a better team. Um, they're not better than Milwaukee. They're not better than the Raptors right now. They won't be better than the Nets next year. Um, the Sixers need to do something. I, I don't like this team. Um, again, they, they don't have they don't have any shooting on this team either besides Tobias Harris. Who can shoot the ball? Joel Embiid can't shoot. Ben Simmons can't shoot. Al Horford can shoot a little bit. He's gotten a little bit better. But he's not going to get consistent minutes because he can't play with Joel Embiid. Th- this team makes no sense at all. It doesn't. And Boston's going to wrap up this series very quickly and very easily because I think Jason Tatum is a superstar in the making. Jalen Brown... Could be a superstar in the making. Definitely a star. Um, yeah, like you said, Marcus Smart's a great player. He's getting, I mean, then you, for, you, a lot of times I even forget Kimball Walker's on this team, the explosive offense he brings. Who's going to guard Kimball Walker? Who's going to guard him? There's nobody on this team that can guard Kimball Walker. Josh Richardson can help slow him down a little bit. Yeah, but you got to have him for Jalen Brown. Then you got to wait about Jalen Brown. Jason Tatum, who's going to guard him? You can bring him beat out there. He's not going to do a great job. Tobias Harris can't guard him. This is why you should have kept Jimmy Butler. That would have made a lot more sense for a lot of reasons. It's also why they're going to miss Ben Simmons. And I honestly, I would love to see what their practices look like. What kind of offense do they run in practice? Because, I mean, you almost need to run a high-low with this team. You know, they don't ever do that. But I just, like you said, I don't know. I don't know what I'm watching when I watch. It's like it's almost like five guys went to the rack and said, "Hey, we're five. What's we got next?" Yeah. I, I mean, all this comes back to Brett Brown, who I thought last year had, been had, written, had written himself uh, had written himself the, the final disclosure that he was going to be out of there. I think without a doubt, they got to move on from him. I, I like Brett Brown, but I don't think he has the personality to manage and coach this team, manage and coach Joel Embiid. And then, you know, I said this last time I was on the podcast, Cole, that 
I thought this was going to be the last stretch of games that we saw Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons play together, and I think they've played their last game together. They're they're going to lose out in the first round. I know Ben Simmons isn't available, but one of them's going to go. Horford has to go if they're going to move forward and try to be a contender next year, and they got to try whether it's Ben Simmons or Joel Embiid, I tend to think they probably lean and roll with Joel Embiid going forward. You got to build your team around him. You got to get a coach that's going to make him play to his strengths, play off the block, and put shooting around him. Just what Milwaukee has done, and the reason why Giannis is elevated into what he is, is because they've decided we're going to look at your strengths. And the things you're not good at, we're going to surround you with to make you even better. And that's why Milwaukee has turned into the powerhouse that they are in the East. And you look at Philadelphia and you think, you could be there You'd be at better this than point that. by yeah. now. Yeah. You should be there by now. I mean, we saw, even with all this last year, there are a Kawhi Leonard roll-around three from going, going to the Eastern Conference Finals last year and then having a chance to make it to, to, to the NBA Finals. So... We know they've been right there, and it's just sad to see what this has turned into. It irritates me, like you've been saying, Cole. And uh, I hope that the stuff that I think and that we think should happen this coming offseason happens because I, I think they, they have the potential to be really good. But we'll see. I don't know what, what front office and what management has planned. But well, uh, the problem is we've been saying stuff like this for about three years now. And uh, – yeah. It gets worse and worse. I think they. Need, I think, like you said, I didn't even mention that they need to fire Brett Brown. Should have been fired last year. You could argue because should have been fired a few years ago. Um, they let him linger because they said he's he built up this process. He should be able to see it through. No, no, no. no not worse than the Bulls. Let's give him that credit. Then you get a competent coach in there that can make things happen. Um, I, I don't. I, I really don't like him. I don't. I don't know him personally that well, but I, I just don't think he's that good of a coach. Um, I think number one on the list is firing Brett Brown. Number two should be trading Al Horford immediately for anything less than $30 million for what he brings. Um, I think they'll trade one of those two. They might keep him. Um, I think they should they – should, I think they will keep Tobias Harris. But with that $30 million they move from Al Horford, they need to, they need to trade for a few pieces that can be perimeter shooting, um, maybe a little bit of perimeter defending. Um, just get more guys than what they got. I mean – I, I, they have, I mean, they have a couple pieces. Jock Richardson's a good player. I think he's a good starter for your team. Plays hard, plays both ways. You got Thibel off the bench. Looks like he's going to turn into a good guy. The, yeah, these are good players. Because, I just, like they need said, a little they, bit more. They pay their, their starters so much money that you pretty much got G-leaguers on the bench. Yeah, you're, you're really handicapping yourself when you pay four guys $30 million, some plus. Well, they're not – essentially they're not productive in the way that other guys making that kind of money are. Yeah, like Al Horford, you know, I mean – I like Al Horford. I hate to hate on Al Horford. I think he's a good player, but he should not be on this team. He does not fit well. When I saw him paying him $30 million, I'm kind of like, could they not have just paid Jimmy Butler the $30 million and had him on this team again? That would have been better than this. Um, I, I, this the decision-making on this team and with this organization just blows my mind. And you're right. It's not as bad as Chicago, but I don't think there's anything as bad as what Chicago's That's done. That's as bad so, as I've seen in the past, in the past decade. I mean, oh, my God. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But we're going to move on to the <laughs> number four seed Indiana Pacers versus the number five seed Miami Heat. And just like the last one, this might be the most controversial and the most interesting matchup in this side of the conference. Um, what are your thoughts? Um, I'll tell you what. I really do like the Pacers. Uh, they're not going to have some bonus for the series, I'm pretty sure. And, and that's that's a big, big hit. Uh, he brings a lot to the table. Uh, scoring, scoring wide, and he's a great rebounder, which other than him, the Pacers really don't have. 
Uh, I do really like this team, but the Heat, they could be the deepest team in the, in the East, even deeper than the Raptors. Uh, top to bottom, they got, they got a, a five-in, five-out rotation they can run that's, that's really, really good. And with Bam Adebayo, I think he, I think he should have an absolutely dominant series with no Sabonis. Uh, Miles Turner, you know, he's a good player, good weak side help defender, but he's skinny, not a great uh, one-on-one post guy. Um, so he's a good help side shot blocker, but other than that, I, I think he should. He, he's going to have too much to handle with Bam Adebayo and Jimmy Butler. I don't know that that I want to say he's a whole lot better than the Victor Oladipo star power wise, but he brings a lot to the table. He's good at everything, makes everybody else better, and I mean Miami's just full of weapons. Guys like Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson, all those guys that can heat up in just a moment, and I mean Goran Dragic off the bench. I mean he's been around for a long time. He's a great player. Um, I think the Miami Heat take this. I'm going to say in six or seven games, um, but it should be a good series. But like I said, Miami, and they just have too much. Yeah, I, I think Miami is going to win this. I think if Indiana had their full team, if, if you had a Victor Oladipo who had been healthy for a long time and had gotten back to that level, if you had a Jeremy Lamb who's out that a lot of people forget about, don't have him, and then Sabonis who was an all-star this past year, if you had your fully loaded roster with Indiana, I think Indiana is a dark horse to get to the Eastern Conference Finals. But – uh, given that, and even given how well T.J. Warden has been lighting it up down there in the bubble, I don't think that the Pacers are going to be good enough to beat the Heat. They can, they will make it competitive, I think. But like you guys have been saying, Miami's got so many weapons. Jimmy Butler, I think, has been a seamless fit for Miami. He's done a great job of leading those guys, bringing them, uh, brings the intensity on both ends of the floor. Then after that, there's just weapon after weapon. We've seen Bam Adebayo develop into how great he's been this year. Uh, You got your shooting from Duncan Robinson, Tyler Harrell. Both have been great for him. Uh, Kendrick Nunn who a lot of people had in their top three for Rookie of the Year this year. You got Goran Dragic, Miles Leonard, Kelly Olenek, people like Iguodala, Jay uh, Crowder. I mean, so many guys on this team. I don't know if all of them are going to get a lot of run throughout this series or throughout the playoffs, but you just got so many options and so many guys to go to to help you out, to play defense, to shoot and, and get offense. I just think it's going to be too much for Indiana to handle in the first round. I think – I'm going to say the Heat in six. I wouldn't be surprised if it went seven. Uh, I, I still like Indiana and think they play hard. And we know T.J. Warren can get hot and, and bring the offense he's been bringing like he has a few times throughout the bubble. They can play with anybody. But I do think Miami all around is going to uh, get them in six. And we've seen what Jimmy Butler can do in the playoffs. I mean, there have been times, especially back when he was the Bulls, he looked like he was playing out of his mind. Uh, so we know what he's capable of. And then, like I said, starter starting unit versus starting unit, this will be a competitive matchup because people forget Malcolm Brogdon, mm-hmm. rookie of the year, uh, back when he was a rookie. He's just a good player. I think he's going to be in the in the league a long time. I think he's a great player. T.J. Warren led, this league in, or led the team in scoring this year. So top to, the starting lineup is great, but top to bottom, it's just if they fall off so hard that – they might even win the first two games, but once they start getting tired, fatigue sets in. They just don't have uh, the depth to play this Miami team because you know Miami's starting units is as good as theirs, and I think the depth's gonna is gonna be too much. I think that's exactly what this is. The depth is just gonna be too much. Um, 
I like this Pacers team a lot. I like Nick McMillan. I think he's one of the best coaches in the league. He's done a great job with this team. Um, this is this is a, this is a market that tends to get guys you don't really think you know of as stars, but they do get very good, dependable players. Um, a lot of blue collar guys like this Indiana town is. Um, but like you said, Mitch, the Miami team. I mean, you go up and down. This team has so many players. They're so deep. Um, I'm going to say it goes six. Um, the only reason I'm saying it's going six is because T.J. Warren has been playing out of his mind. If that carries over, it might even go seven. But the Heat are going to win this team thing. There's, they're just too much. Um, Goran Dragic, you know, could be a candidate for sixth man of the year with Dennis Schroeder for how much he's bringing off the bench. He's, I mean, he's a ton off the bench for him. Then, like you said, Andre Godala, you got Jay Crowder. Um, I mean, the list just goes on and on. Tyler Hero. I mean, the bench players on this team are so good. Um, this lineup is good. They're just full of shooters, full of great, you know, defensive players too. Um, Bam Adebayo too. Man, this guy, he 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 could have been in the running for most improved play of the year. He's played very good this year. He's improved so much since he first got in this league. Um, you just really like this team, this Miami Heat team, and you really think, hey, if they if they're just clicking on all cylinders, they might can even upset somebody in the next round. Um, you feel sorry for the Pacers because, like you said, Sabonis and Lamb. Um, they're not there. Um, that would have helped out a lot, I think, and that would have made this series a little bit more interesting. But this is a series that's going to be a pleasure for NBA fans to watch, true NBA fans who know that both these teams are very good teams and they're very well coached, and it's going to be a pleasure for us to watch these two teams play each other, and the games are just going to be great, I think. There might be even a few overtimes. Um, like you said, both these starting lineups, they're pretty similar um, for the most part, but um, yeah, if Victor Oladipo was back to his full self, I think he's right up there. Jimmy Butler, um, they're both outstanding players. So uh, it's going to be a great series to watch, I think. Really, it's going to be a really fun series. But I got the Heat in six, too. I'll say Heat in seven. Heat in six. All right, guys, and that is your playoff preview. We'll be back in a little bit to discuss a little bit of NBA post-bubble news. Support for this podcast is brought to you by Pepsi. Try the new Pepsi Wild Cherry Vanilla today. Pepsi, the official sponsor of the NFL and of Sports Talk with Cole. And we're back to talk about a little bit of post-bubble news. The Suns went 8-0 in the bubble, but still got bounced out. Monty Williams was the coach of the bubble. That's the award they gave to him. Um, Feels weird to say that, but um, they did a great job. Devin Booker was great. Thoughts? Man, I'll say one thing, and I was thinking about this when – you had the games happening on Thursday that were going to decide the play-in matchups for the eight and nine seeds. And I was thinking, I really hope Phoenix gets in because I think them getting into that playing game would have been really entertaining to, to see what would happen with, of course, them going eight and zero. But out of any team who's not in the playoffs right now, they should be more excited than anybody in the league. I mean, you go you go down to the bubble. A lot of people wondering why you even got invited. Then you go down there, go eight and zero, and and play yourself all the way into the very end. I mean, literally, Karis Levert's bringing that ball up the court against Portland. You're thinking the Suns are in it all the way up to to the buzzer at that point. So I mean, you feel for them, and it's terrible they didn't get in. But man, do they have a bright future? We we knew Devin Booker could play, but I think he finally showed everybody that. 
not only can he play, but he can win. And it's just a matter of you saw some of those young guys like Mikael Bridges, DeAndre Ayton, uh, Cameron Johnson from North Carolina. You saw all those guys start to elevate and play well in the bubble. And maybe it was because it's the bubble atmosphere. You don't have people watching. You don't have the eyes on you. It feels like we've said like an AAU tournament almost out there. But with all that, I mean – you just have a lot to look forward to with this young Suns team. They have nothing to hang their heads about. And I think they're definitely going to be a playoff contender next year, especially if they can add a guy through the draft, add some guys in the offseason uh, just to make them better and see those young guys can hit, continue to develop. Man, the sky's the limit for them. Now, as I said, we've, we've known for a while Devin Booker. I mean, that guy's legit. He, he He's a superstar. Um, and. I think I think the thing with the Suns, you know, you get to the bubble, they just got nothing to lose. It's like we're here, we're in Orlando, let's go out there and play, and that's what happens when it, they got a lot of firepower on this team, a lot of young firepower on this team. And DeAndre Ayton, I mean, it's a top, it's a top pick in the draft. Um, this guy could turn into to a bona fide stud. Uh, they have a lot of a lot of avenues they can take uh, to be successful. They have guys like Richard Rubio that you know, can, can run a team, run an offense effectively. Now their ownership's still like, among the worst in the league. Um, so you know, you're always going to have problems in the front of that team. So you got to wonder, you know, they could build a really good team around Jimmy Butler. You don't know that they will, um, but you hope they do. Because I, I like when guys like Jimmy Butler stay stay on, their, on, on the – especially small market teams that draft. And I guess Suns aren't that small market of a team. They're not as small as a team like Memphis, but – um, I like when, when, when players stay on. I have a lot of respect for Damian Lillard for sticking around. You know, the Trailblazers, they, you know, they, they've had decent teams around them, but they've never had a team like L.A. They never had a team with just full of talent around them. But I got so much respect that he stuck around and, and made uh, and, and stayed with his original team. And I, I really want Devin Booker to do that, but it's, it's pretty clear that he's not that pleased being there. Um, hopefully this run – generates enough momentum for enough excitement for him that he sticks around and they, they, they start to build off of it. Well, that, that's what I was going to say for – I know you're about to put your thoughts on it, Cole, but Devin Booker, we know he's, he's not been happy, the happiest down there in Phoenix. This going 8-0 in the bubble might have been essential to him sticking around. I, I really think he was a guy that might have been right there on the cusp of this offseason, possibly demanding a trade to somebody because he's got a, he's got a contract coming around, uh, and I don't know if he has, has the mentality that he would want to stick around in Phoenix knowing what it's been. But after seeing this, this could be what it takes to say, hey, you're our guy. We're going to build around you. You see what, what we can do and where we're going. And I think it was really essential for that, it, it, for them building this team around him and to see that they could have they have success right right there in the near future. Uh, yeah, uh, I like all the points you guys said. Uh, I don't think Draymond Green wants him there either <laughs> with his comments. Got a little fine for that. Um, I like this. I, I like the, the fact the Suns teams went 8-0. I hate that they got bounced out. Um, honestly, Memphis should have been bounced out. Um, they got lucky with Giannis not playing that last game, being suspended. So, um, But Memphis did earn it in the regular season, technically, I guess. The fact they played better, they just got down to Orlando and really couldn't do much. Um, Top to bottom, I don't want to interrupt you, I really do think Memphis does have a better team, if we're being fair. No, I do. I, I, I agree they have a better team, but they just didn't play as well in, in Orlando bubble. Fair. 
And I think a lot of people wanted the Suns to be rewarded for their play in the bubble and play in the playing game because they thought it would have been a better game. Um, I don't know. For some teams, I think it's just been a little harder to get going down in Orlando. Um, I I don't know. This is this is this is a Phoenix Suns team that's very young. Cameron Payne and Dario Sarch, those guys play good in the bubble. Um, those are good role players. Uh, like you said, they got a lot of decisions to make. Um, Devin Booker, does he stick around? Does he leave? I mean, does he leave? Um, I I really don't know. Um, this might have helped him stay. I don't know because a player like Devin Booker, if he's an All NBA player, his contract's gonna be more money when they when it comes time to re-sign him. So that might be an incentive to stay down in Phoenix because you can get a larger contract down there. You might like I think most players like Monty Williams and as a as a coach and as a person. So um, that might have been what it took to get him to stay down there. Um, I, I don't know. I like this Phoenix. I like this Phoenix Suns team. It's unfortunate they did not get in. Um, they still got a lot of pieces to add if they want to be competitive, and DeAndre Ayton's going to have to grow a lot. Um, but um, it, it was really fun to just see the play in the bubble. I guess that that's that's my overall takeaway. It was fun to see the eight no Suns make a run. Um, definitely the storyline of the bubble. So um, that's just what I enjoyed out of it. Um, but let's move on to the Pelicans don't get in. Um, my good friend Mitch here said that the NBA wanted them to get in. That was so. very odd. Oh, they did, and that's why Alvin Gentry doesn't have a job now. Yeah, Alvin Gentry was dismissed. They said not fired. I guess that was them trying to be nice to Alvin Gentry, but um, I think he should have been fired a few years ago. Um, but anyways, the Pelicans don't get in. Now they start their coaching higher. Um, got a lot of pretty good players on this team, actually. Um, a lot of young players. So, what are your thoughts on that, guys? Well, I th- I think that's what was disappointing, and I don't know how much of it was Alvin Gentry or front office, but and we talked about this last time. We 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 saw when Zion came back before the season shut down how how good this Pelicans team could be when they're all healthy, when they're playing well, and they they looked really good. They were they were they were on this trajectory to compete for that eight seed, but. I was I expected a lot more. I expected a lot more Zion. I know he had to leave the bubble right before they started the the seeding games, but with the the minutes restrictions and and the playing him here and there, not letting him finish games, topped with the fact that I don't know if there's anybody in the NBA who just refused to play defense as bad as the Pelicans did in the bubble. I mean, it was ugly to watch, giving up forty plus points in a quarter multiple times. I mean, just. Absolutely no defense or competitiveness being played on that end. Uh, I mean, I, I feel like it was the right move to let Alvin Gentry go. Like I said, I don't know how much of it is to be laid on him for, for their performance down there, but I feel like the NBA laid out the red carpet to try and give them a chance to get them in this thing. And they just didn't perform and and, and, and bought their way out uh, so that – so they didn't get to play in the playing game or, or even have a chance to there at the end. Uh, have a great young roster. There's a lot of pieces I look at, whether it's from Zion to are they going to keep Brandon Ingram to guys I know he played awful throughout the bubble, but Lonzo Ball and then you, you got guys still got guys like Drew Holiday down there and J.J. Reddick. I mean, pieces are there. This coaching hire that they make is going to be very important, I think, for – their immediate future and how fast these young guys develop and how uh, talented they are in the years to come. So, I'm right there. I mean, uh, I think talent-wise, this team 
this team could ha- at least has the potential, even next year, to make a, pl- a push for the playoffs. Um, we don't know what kind of jump Zion's going to make. They look terrible in the bubble. Zion even looked terrible in the bubble. I think in 104 minutes, his plus five was like minus 56. I mean, it just they just looked awful. And it's not just him. I mean, obviously, the whole team as a whole, they just played zero defense whatsoever. Their offense, you had Brandon Ingram running a lot of iso ball. Don't know that that's the direction they need to take. I mean, obviously, he, he's 6'9", really long, can probably get a shot off over anybody. But at the same time, I don't know that he's good enough to – to, to try to run your offense in an isolation setting through him. They need to get somebody that can that can get the talent they have, you know, and, and, and focus it to a more well-oiled machine. And I don't know if Lonzo Ball's the guy I want running that. He, too inconsistent of a shooter for me. But, but, hey, he brings great defensive ability, great vision. I don't want to sleep on him too early because he's been so hit or miss so far in the league. But, you know, this team – and Brandon Ingram's basically a baby. He's – same age as what uh, is as a lot of rookies coming in. So you you got somebody who's gonna he, he's gonna get better. I, the the ceiling for Zion, who knows how good this guy could be. Um, he didn't look great in the bubble, but we know we know what he could do. And you know I, I try to be optimistic about this team. So hopefully they get a good hire and, and they get this back on the back rolling. Yeah, this is a team that has a lot of. Um... Yeah, um, yeah. There's a high ceiling on this team. Um, definitely a lot higher than the Suns and some of these other teams um, that played good in the bubble. Um, yeah, they just didn't look like they had any effort in the bubble. I think that's what it came down to. Um, they just didn't play with much heart at all. Um, they got some good players in this team, though, and that's the thing about this team is, like you mentioned, these guys Zion, Ingram, and Lonzo Ball are all still on their rookie deals. Um, they they could bring in another player. You know, they could have brought in another player this year that, that they could have paid high, that could have been a good free agent that they could have brought in. Um, I, I don't understand. J.J. Redick was brought in, and he's a, he's a good shooter, but not much else. Um, he's 34 years old, too, I think. So um, it, the, the real task is going to be how you build around Zion and Brandon Ingram, and if you decide to keep Lonzo Ball. Um, Lonzo Ball is due for a contract, I think, now or next season. Brandon Ingham's due for one soon too. So, um, do you pay these guys and do you stick these three guys in there with um, Lonzo Ball and Brandon Ingram and Zion and try to work something with these three? Um, because I think Brandon Ingram will be the most improved player. But like you said, it was it was painful to watch the amount of ISO they ran with Brandon Ingram. Um, he's a good player, but putting him in that much ISO is just not it's just not good coaching. <laughs> In in my opinion, so um, I hope the new coach brings a nice, fresh perspective in, and can bring some energy to this young team, and can really help these guys all grow. Um, and maybe by the I I, I don't know I, I think by the deadline next year they'll make a few moves. Um, I don't think Lonzo Ball is the future for this team. I think he's a backup point guard somewhere. I, I think he's young, so he's going to want to get paid. I wouldn't pay him. I'd trade him. Um, I like Drew Holiday. He he's he's a good he's a good player um, for thirty million dollars. I don't know if I like him for that much, but I'd let him stay around and maybe re-sign him. He seems to like it in New Orleans. His family's there, so uh, this is a team with a with a lot of with a lot of talent and a lot of a lot of um, yeah. There's good things ahead for this team in the future. I think they just have to be careful in how they work it, you know, and weave it together. Um, you do not want to end up like the Philadelphia 76ers. Um, we did a good job firing the coach early, I think. So now you just have to rebuild this team, and um, yeah. I agree, and a lot of it too. I mean, 
we've seen what Zion's capable of. Is he going to mature? Is he going to get the mindset and realize, okay, I have to transform my body. I need to lose 20 pounds, maybe 30 pounds, get down. I, I, I know they list him at 280, but there were times in the bubble he looked closer to 300. Uh, he's got to lose a little bit of weight, get in better shape. Because we know the abilities there for him. We know even as a rookie has the ability to take over games. Number one, you got to hit a home run with his coaching hire. Number two, is Zion going to take that next step? And I think it's about transforming his body, and that's going to transform his game and take it to the next level. Yeah, I couldn't agree more with that. Um, yeah, needs to lose a little bit of weight, and maybe that will help with his um, injuries he's been dealing with. Uh, I don't know. I really, I just really like this team, I guess. And um, I had high hopes for them this year to be in the playoffs. And um, I think the league definitely had those hopes too when they started this bubble. So I'm um, going to move on to the Grizzlies. They were 2-7 and seven in the bubble. Obviously, they had a great regular season, a lot like Pelicans. They got a lot of good young players there. Um, if you're the Grizzlies, you're happy getting John Morant. I mean, if you don't get Zion, you got John Morant, a very good young you know, star already in this league. Um a lot of good young players in this team. So, what are your thoughts on this team going two and seven in the bubble? And what are your hopes for the future of this team? I think, I mean, losing Jaron Jackson, you could tell. I mean, it was just a huge, huge hit on this team. I mean, this, he brings so many things uh, for him defensively, offensively, can do everything. I mean, he's a he's a power forward that can shoot threes as almost as well as any other power forward in the league. I mean, he's a great shooter. Uh, so and he adds a lot of depth because him and Brandon Clark can kind of fill up you know each other's minutes and without him they, they don't have enough enough guys off the bench to really fill what he can do and you know you have other guys like Valencia Eunice I mean he's a he's a load for anybody I mean that's a guy who could put up twenty ten any any given night if he's got a good matchup so they have they have guys that they can they can make I like Dylan Brooks uh, you know good 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 wing shooter and you add John Morant to the picture I mean John Morant home run draft pick. I mean, I think a lot of people knew he would be good, but he came in. Even if Zion played the whole season, I mean, he could have been rookie of the year even then. We don't know what kind of numbers Zion would have put up all season. I mean, he looked good in like that stretch he played, but at the same time, I mean, Ja plays the whole season, averages, what, like 16 and almost seven, seven assists? That's about what Damian Lillard did his rookie season. So that's that's good comparison to have. Uh, so this team, it's on the right track, and it seems like he likes it there. He likes the – he's kind of a humble kid. I, I remember, you know, Rondo posted when they got to the bubble. It, it was like uh, staying in a Motel 6, and they're staying in what, one of the better the better uh, hotels. And they got – I think I think uh, Memphis got Yacht Club, and he was mm-hmm. saying, this is fine, you know. This is this is good enough for me. So I think I think he likes it there. They, they got a good, a good young player in John Morant. Oh, without a doubt. Uh, I know he was up and down with his performance throughout the bubble, but it was evident in the playing game. Single-handedly, almost will Grizzlies, the Grizzlies to another game today. I put in 35 and just literally nobody could keep him out of the paint on that team for, for Portland. And it, that was evident all year long. Uh, and I know we talk about him averaging 16-7, and seven and he should be the rookie of the year this year. But even bigger than that, how many rookies do you see lead a team essentially to the playoffs? I mean, he's right, he's right there, a, a game 
I guess, two games away from leading Memphis in, and who knows if the season doesn't get shut down. I probably put my money on Memphis to keep that eight seed and, and get in. And obviously, uh, losing Jaron Jackson was huge for him. Uh, in my opinion, probably the second best player on this roster. I know it would, a little bit of young and, and playoff inexperience going in, but I think they would have got in and, and, and been competitive. But then you add guys like Valanchunas, uh, we talked about uh, Dylan Brooks, uh, uh, Brandon Clark, and just they play hard. They're well coached. Uh, I, I think they have a lot to look forward to in the future, and I think Jaw is going to continue to get better. Honestly, I know it's a guard-loaded Western Conference, but won't be surprised if you see him on an all-star team next year. He's going to continue to get better. Uh, I, I expect him to stay healthy and hope that he does, and Memphis is going to be a threat these next few years. Yeah, um, I think the only area Ja can improve on um, significantly might be his defense. Even though he played pretty good defense um, throughout the season, I think that's that's where he can improve um, his shot making, his rare combination of speed and athleticism, um, lets him finish at the rack real well. Um, he's a blue collar kid, like you said. He, I heard him. <laughs> that was really funny when I heard him say that. He's kind of like, hey, it's fine. I'm happy here, you know. Um, so I, I thought that was kind of funny. Um, yeah, it's a shame they went two and seven. Um, Justice Winslow wasn't there either. He got hurt right before the bubble started, so he wasn't able to be there. Um, yeah, missing those two key guys, I think, really contributed to them going two and seven um, and just not getting in. So, um, yeah, like you said, if the season would have just gone on as normal, I think they would have got in. Portland would have never had a chance because they had so many guys that were hurt, and those guys were able to come back and play in the bubble with the five-month substantial layoff we had. So um, it really is a whole new season, like they say. Um, but, yeah, I like this Grizzlies team for the future. You know, like you said, Dylan Brooks is a very underrated player. Um, and him and Jar are just going to get better and could turn into a really, really good backcourt. Uh, Valanciunas is a solid center for right now. Jaron Jackson and Brandon Clark, you know, like you said, they're interchangeable fours. Um, they do a good job. And then Justice Winslow, he's healthy, playing the three. Um, th this is the playoff team. This is the playoff team. And I think the future is very bright because everybody I just mentioned I think is under 25. So they're going to be good for a few years to come. So it was a shame. It was a shame they went 2-7 and seven and they didn't – they weren't able to play in their eighth seed that they definitely earned in the regular season. But um, just in the bubble going 2-7, and seven, it was unfortunate. So, um, But, yeah, now we're going to move on to our last subject with the NBA. Um, Jim Boylan was also fired. Boy a few days ago, and my guy's got a lot of thoughts on that. So, Well, first off, it's about damn time, uh, i got to say. Um, any coach that's going to basically start a full-scale revolt from the players day three um, should not last as long as this man has lasted. I mean, it, it, there's too much talent on this team to be this bad. I mean, this is a guy who Daniel Gafford gets a severe injury, can't even walk. And the Mavericks have to call a timeout because Jim Boylan won't. <laughs> this is not a coach that anybody should have. This is not a coach that should, ever should even be hired for a team. I don't know how he sticks around this long. I mean, I, I watched him bench Zach Levine in a neck-and-neck -neck game with like three minutes left, put him back in to take the final shot, and he made it. I mean, so you basically win the game if Zach Levine plays the entire game. Uh, I, don't, I don't know what this guy – this front office is so bad that I don't know all the ins and outs of owning or managing a team, but I feel like I could do it at least as well as uh, the Chicago Bulls, personally. And that's saying a lot, because 
I have no idea what, what all goes into it, but I think I could probably find a coach a little bit better than this guy um, to run this organization and, and coach this team. Yeah, I mean, especially for a team that has young guys, young bright, young young guys you think that have bright futures in this league from Wendell Carter to Laurie Marketing to Daniel Gafford to Kobe White. I mean, Zach Levine. I mean, guys who you think, you know what, they could be really good NBA players. And it seems like since Boylan has taken over, all we've seen is regression from everybody instead of progression. I mean, and I understand wanting to bring in a hard-nosed guy when you got a young team like that to kind of set the record straight. But, for one, when you're causing a team mutiny day three like you alluded to, Tan, and you have to install you, – you decide to install a punch clock at your practice facility for grown men to come and use every – NBA team, man, an NBA facility going to install a punch clock, I mean – the stories go on and on with this guy. I, I'm glad it finally happened. Uh, I know uh, Daniel Gaffer, there's a clip of him playing video games earlier in the summer where he talked about how, and he said it about as nicely as possible that he, he, he's all right, but he's got some things to work on as a person. And I don't, I, I've not been around Jim Boylan, but from what I've heard. We have been around Daniel Gaffer. We have been, and, 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 he's a nice hearing, guy. and hearing that from, from Dan, like, that says a lot to me uh, and, and stuff, and, and, I, and I know what Dan's grown up doing and, and what he's played under and the coaches he's played with. But I'm glad this finally happened. I really hope, and God, we know how this front office has been already. Please, 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 if you can make the right hire for this team. I know we've talked about Phoenix and Memphis and New Orleans, these teams who, who could be right there ready to ascend. I mean, I think that's where the Bulls should be. I mean, we know we, we see a team like Orlando who's in the playoffs. I think Chicago has more talent than Orlando does on their I mean, roster. That, the difference, the big difference between the Bulls and those other teams is they're in the East. And the yeah. East sucks. The East yeah. is top-heavy. And you got a 33-win team as the A seed. This team could have easily have gotten third. They have Jay, er, uh, Zach Levine's better than anybody the Magic have. You know, they absolutely should be in the playoffs. I mean, Kobe White looked great to start of the season. He was kind of kind of uh, hit or miss later, but that's, you know, he's a rookie. They have rotations. They can, I mean, Jim Bullen was content with playing Luke Cornett over, over Daniel Gafford compared, pretty much the entire season. Compared him to Robert Ory. Yeah, I mean, yeah, very play. similar, <laughs> got to say. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't know what was going through his mind. I don't, I don't know what kind of – you know, basketball that he was trying to draw up, but it was just awful to watch. And it, it was clear the players absolutely despise him. Yeah. Um, I don't know as much about the coaching circle as you guys do, but I believe when you say Dan's a good guy, um, I heard he did some nice things at Arkansas. Um, yeah, this this is just a shame, like you guys said, for such a historic franchise to be run this poorly. Um, I don't know as much about this coach as you guys do, but I did hear about that um, – punch in thing from like the 80s he brought in there to do with these guys um I get it they're young you want to you know I I just don't understand that though that that's a little extreme for me uh I I like this team a lot um Otto Porter a good shooter I'm trying to think of the only guy you didn't mention there's a lot of good young talent on this team this is a good and that's the thing it's like you got to realize even even amongst young kids these people have been around basketball pretty much their whole lives so you get a coach who you know is going to know a little bit more than them, maybe the ins and outs and, and how offenses run. 
it's not enough that you can install something like a punch clock. You don't know that much more about basketball than that. A coach is supposed to unite the players together, show them a vision, and all the players come together to make that happen. You know, you're not teaching them the game of basketball at this point. These guys know how to play basketball. They're here. That's how they got to the highest level. They know what they're doing. You as the coach have to get that talent and make it work together as, as one collaborative unit. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, yeah, I can feel the anger coming from you guys on this subject matter. We're Bulls fans. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that makes sense. Daniel Gafford fans. Yeah. And Dan fans. Yeah. Um, this this team, hopefully they get a good coaching hire. Um, I don't know if they will, given the organization track track record, though. Um, they seem to draft pretty well, though, because I think Colby White um, was the seventh overall pick last year, and um, Wendell Carter was seventh, too, the year before that. Laurie Markkinen was in that range, too. So they seem to draft pretty well. That That's a good sign they'll get around that pick this year, I assume. Hopefully they can get another good player to help this team keep on developing. But um, that's a great point you made. Um, they should be in the playoffs. They are a little bit better than Orlando talent-wise, I think. This should be a playoff team for sure. Um, and, yeah, these pieces coming together, they have a lot of potential, too, just like all these other teams we mentioned. I think the only one that might have more are the Pelicans. Um, but, yeah, because Colby White, I mean – a lot of people don't talk about this guy. This was an outstanding rookie this year. As you said, as the season went on, he did kind of – it wasn't as consistent, but his three-point shooting and his playmaking was definitely there. Just a lot of good, really, really young pieces on this team. I said under 25 um, <laughs> for the other team. This is under 22. These are yep. these are guys a lot younger than us even. Um, so uh, the team with a lot of really young talent. Hopefully they make a good co- good ho- coaching hire. So, um. I just don't know what the future is for this Bulls team, but um, we can hope they make a good coaching hire and another good draft pick because they've seemed to do that well, if anything else. Hey, on the bright side, you couldn't make a worse hire. Yeah. Well. You legitimately – I mean, I don't even think it's possible to get a worse coach. Well, did you like Fred Hoiberg when he was there? Did you think that – He wasn't – well, here's the thing. He was an offensive-minded coach that it didn't seem like he knew what kind of offense he wanted to run in the NBA. And – I mean, I like Tibbs, and at the same time, I mean, he's not a coach that I think is going to take you all the way there. But the the players liked him. The problem with him is that he doesn't load manage at all. You know, you're looking at seven guys all split minutes, and that that's fine once you get to the playoffs. You're on a seven eight man rotation. When you do it all season, you get to the playoffs, you get stuff like what happened to Derrick Rose. yeah, well, piggy, start losing guys. piggybacking off the Hoiberg, and I think the cast you had under him was a little different. You had some some bigger personalities like like a Jimmy Butler, and you had Dwayne Wade there for Rondo for too. Season Rondo, who, for what Hoiberg is, that wasn't that wasn't the type of leader you needed for those guys. And I I think he did he was he's a good offensive coach, but. And that's why I think the Bulls' vision turned. Okay, we need a guy to come in and be hard nosed. But Jim Boylan took it way too far and didn't have enough leniency with these young guys because it's fine being hard-nosed, but especially when you have young guys coming into the league who do have talent, you got to have a guy that's going to usher progression with them, and that just didn't happen and hasn't happened since he's been there. So I really hope they get this hire right. There's, there's several guys that I think that – could probably do a pretty good job with them and, and, and turn them into a playoff contender next year. I, I just hope they get it right. Yeah, I agree with you guys. Um, what do you guys think about David Fisdale as a coach there, or do you think he's ran out of chances with his last two departures? Well, I, you go ahead, Tim. Uh, I mean, 
from what he actually brings, I don't know that he's the right hire. I mean, I don't. He, he wouldn't be a bad coach to hire. Um, it's I mean, especially compared to what you had. Uh, <laughs> but if you look at, at what he's done, especially guys like Marcus Sully, they don't seem to like him. I think I think young guys might really like David Fitz. It seems like he does relate to young players pretty well. So I don't know that it's an awful hire. Um, I don't think you could expect him to really take you much further than like a low seed in the playoffs. But at the same time, I mean, I think, you know, you could at least go on the players' respect by getting him. You know, I, I think part of it is, too, you look at the coaching jobs that are going to be open this offseason. So you, you see Chicago. We know Brooklyn already. And they're going to be – you're going to take on a lot of talent and a lot of personalities with that team. Then you have teams like New Orleans who have a, a young ascending team as well. And, I mean, just a few names that I've heard be mentioned. I know we, you just talked about Fisdale. Mark Jackson is still out there if somebody's willing to try and hire him. I, I, I honestly could see him fitting with more like a team like Brooklyn who has yeah. talent because he's, he's got a proven track record. We saw what he did at Golden State. Now he developed them before Steve Kerr took them on uh, and, and, and took, took them to the next step. I've heard Jason Kidd's name get mentioned a lot. We know he's the assistant for the Lakers right now. And there's a lot of things you could say about Jake Hidd. I mean, we, we saw how he was in Milwaukee, but it seems to be a name that's getting passed around. And then Ty Lue, who's an assistant for the Clippers right now, that's kind of the, the top names of the short list I've been hearing for all of these jobs open. And I do think probably at least three of those guys are going to have jobs, head coaching jobs next year. We see the ones that are open. I don't know how they're going to float around and where they're going to end up, but we'll see. Yeah, um, I think the Mark Jackson one is really, really interesting. Um, I hate to hear him stop calling games for ESPN because he does a fantastic job doing that. Um, but, yeah, to get a head coaching job like Brooklyn, um, man, that job that job is going to be something else. The guy that heads that team. And the weird thing is I didn't think Kenny Atkinson did that bad. Like he might be a good head coach in one of these other stops because I thought he was a pretty decent coach when he was there. I don't know about you guys, but – yeah, I, I, I thought he was fine. I thought, and I, I could be mistaken, but Kenny Atkinson and the, the way he coaches and the way he runs a team, I don't, do not think he expected the personality factor to be as, as big as it ended up being. Because, I mean, let's be real. We, we know what KD's track record is and what he brings with him. And then it seems like Kyrie, since he's left Cleveland, it seems like every other week there's it, something crazy coming out out of his mouth or something. So I, know, I know he made a comment earlier this year about basically they needed, outside of Karis LeVert, KD, and DeAndre Jordan, that they needed to, to mix around the rest of the roster and everybody was expendable. They needed to bring in more guys around them to be better. Because we know Kyrie got to play a little while this season, but then obviously got hurt again. But you're going to have to have a coach who's able to manage those egos. I think right now, if they have their full loaded roster of talent, they might be the best team in the East right now. I mean, they would definitely contend for it, uh, but they don't have that. And they, they, they need somebody to come in there that's going to manage all those guys because that's, that's, that's what they're missing. That's what's going to take them – uh, into being an NBA title contender when all those guys come back from injury. I mean, really, that could be I mean, the biggest issue they have is just managing the egos on the team because you got three guys who, I mean, I'm counting Dinwiddie in this and will pretty much take any shot 
they get. So, you know, how well they'll fit. Not to mention that you know, Kyrie Irving is not a great defender at all. Um, you add him, Spencer Dinwiddie is not a great defender at all. So this, this team defensively, they're not going to be great. Joe Harris, eh, not a great defender. Uh, they're not going to be absolutely great on defense. Now, they do have good rim protection, Jared Allen and, and DeAndre Jordan. I don't know if they keep both of those guys unless they want to you know, play DeAndre kind of limited minutes, which is yeah, it would be understandable. He's getting older. Um, but the problem they're going to run into, and it seems like they already have it, is it, it looks like Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving are already making a lot of front office decisions. And when you run into that as players or as, as an owner or as a, front, or as a GM – you want to get the coach that you know your players want to play for, but at the same time, you got to get a coach that can actually make those players better and, and play together. So it'll be interesting to see what that looks like, who they hire. Um, at the same time, I mean, you know, you mess that higher up, and you kind of shoot yourself in the foot when you have that much talent. Yeah, I think you guys, you know, hit it on the head there. Where you guys need a coach in with a lot of respect around the league. And I think that's who Mark Jackson is. Um, when you said that name, it really made me think that that has to be the guy. I can't think of another coach, you know, around the NBA that that many players are going to respect, like a Mark Jackson. Um, man, that'd be a nice, nice job for him to get after missing out on a few others through the years. Um, for him to get a Brooklyn Nets job with Kyrie and Kevin Durant, and like you guys said, yeah, there's there's just a ton of talent, especially offensive on this team, but defensively they will be a little challenged. Um, I think DeAndre Jordan got signed there because Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving said sign him. Like yep. you said, they're making a lot of decisions already. Um, got their buddy a contract there. Um, Wally is a good player. He's I don't know if he's $10 million a year. Good. Um, he could use that money elsewhere in the future, I think. But that that's here or there. Um, yeah, I, I really like this Brooklyn Nets team talent-wise. Um, I'm really excited to see how it's going to work with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving next year. And, man, do they have a lot of other pieces, too. Like I said, Karis LeVert, Spencer Dinwiddie, Jared Allen, um, Joe Harris, DeAndre Jordan. They have so many pieces there. How do they all work together? How, I mean, and they're all veterans. A lot of them are veterans now. So, I mean, this is just going to be the most interesting team next season, I think, and how it all comes together. But, yeah, guys, uh, that's our post-bubble NBA talk. Um, I want to thank you both for joining me today. and. Um, man. Yes, yeah. sir. Without a doubt, man. Enjoyed it. Hope we can have you guys back for some playoff talk as they go on. That bet you made with Davey is really funny. I'm not going to lie. Well, hopefully here, here in about a, a week, week and a half after the Blazers are done, it'll, it'll be settled. Yeah. You hear that, Davey? You got a bet. I love you, Davey. You Stay know off I love the weed, you. Davey. You know I love you. <laughs> All right. Well, from Sports Talk with Cole, we'll see you guys later.